Uh, we certainly are incredibly encouraged how God is using this one family uh, to continue the work there, to make gospel progress, to make disciples in a country where the spiritual soil is so hard to till. We rejoice in how God's using them and how he's going to take the two people that we send to join the church in Kladno to uh, really um, continue to impact the ministry there for the next year. And at the end of the service today, rather than having a response song, rather than having a closing prayer, uh, the elders are going to come forward. We're going to invite Gina and Julia to come up, and we're going to have the opportunity to uh, pray for them uh, corporately uh, to send them out. And so um, we'll look forward to that as well. If you are a guest here today, strictly for... uh, the, the purpose of coming because it's the sending service for Gina and Julia. Would you just raise your hand for us? Just raise your hand that you're here uh, today. Okay, we got a few people. We want to thank you so much for your love, for your care, for your support for these two ladies. Our church family cherishes them. They have served the Lord Jesus Christ with honor. They have integrity. They have a desire to give up things of self in service to them. They are a great witness and a testimony to all the people in our church and will continue to be to all the people in the Czech Republic. And we know that that comes at a sacrifice for you as well over the next 12 to 15 months. And so we just, we, we um, are thankful And um, we're so encouraged by how God is going to use them. And they're two of the very best that we have. And when a church sends people out, you want to send your best. And I'm thankful that we get to in this instance. Well, by God's grace, we're actually going to hear a brief message on progressing in evangelism and discipleship. And this was a provision of the Lord to have this sermon land on this day as we were going through the pillars. If you think that somehow this was my brilliance, I could not orchestrate it. In fact, I, I, I didn't even know Pastor Marcus, he was going to read Matthew, he was going to read the Great Commission um, as a part of it. So um, the Lord's hand is in this, and we've seen that from the very beginning. We rejoice in it. Our church family has spent the last few weeks going through what are called the ministry pillars for our church. And there's four words that begin with the letter P that we have been focusing on. They are praising, preaching, praying, and today, progressing. Okay, Cornerstone Bible Church desires to be a praising church. When we gather corporately in a large group on Sundays, or when we come together in a small setting, we want it to be a priority that the Lord Jesus Christ would be praised, that we would use musical instruments of expression, that we would use our voices and our hearts and physical aspects of our expression to give him praise. Cornerstone Bible Church purposes to be a preaching church. We're committed to the word of God. We want to exalt Christ, exalt the gospel, exalt the scriptures because they provide everything for us in this life pertaining to life and godliness. God's given it to us, and it's in the scriptures. We will be a preaching church, 
And as we've heard the last two Sundays, we also are committed to being a praying church. Praying to God with fervency expresses our dependency upon him. Praying to God with fervency allows us to see and and God reveals and displays his provisions to us. It also displays his power as he answers. And we rejoice in that. Our church purposes to be a praying church. Our fourth ministry pillar focuses on another P word, which I've already mentioned. It is progressing. God does not save anyone so that they remain the same. From the moment of their salvation, he begins a work in them that allows measurable spiritual progress to be made in their life. That's his desire for us. He is growing us in Christ. God does this, and the purpose for it is so that he can get glory. And he gets glory as we receive the mercy and the enablement to honor him with our lives and are able to glorify him with this progress that we make. He has a plan. God has a plan. There's a plan that he commissioned to help us make measurable spiritual progress. And if you'd like to know what it is, I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. And we'll study the passage that really provides the framework for our ministry pillar. Another blessing in the Lord's timing of teaching on this ministry pillar is that the verses that we'll study take place immediately following the Lord's resurrection. These these are the first words out of the Lord's mouth after he is raised from the dead. And next week is Resurrection Sunday. And so I'd like us to read chapter 28, not only just to get the context, but to also prepare our hearts to worship him next week as we focus on the celebration of Resurrection Sunday. Chapter 28, verse 1 says this, Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was lightning, like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came up and they took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. Now while they were on their way, some of the guards uh, came into the city and reported 
to the chief priests all that had happened. And when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, you are to say his disciples came by night, stole him away while you were asleep. And this should come to the governor's ears. We will win him over and keep you out of trouble. And they took the money and did as they had been instructed. And the story was widely spread among the Jews and is to this day. Verse 16. But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain with Jesus, which Jesus had designated. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And we are going to study this passage because progressing in evangelism and discipleship fulfills the Great Commission. It's actually called, there's a fancy literary term when you say a sentence and then you turn around and you say it backwards and it says the same thing. Um, it's called a chiasmus. Any of our English grammar teachers would share that with you. And it is the same backwards. Fulfilling, uh, the, the Great Commission fulfills progressing in evangelism and discipleship. It's the same either way. And our passage reveals four aspects of the Great Commission that encourage you to fulfill it. And the outline is in your notes. Four aspects of the Great Commission that encourage you to fulfill it. And the first one is this. The motive of the Great Commission. Because the resurrection is central to our Christian faith and central to our theology, few subjects have received more attention. And Paul goes so far as to say that if the Lord Jesus Christ was not resurrected, then our faith is in vain. It's a hoax. If we're, we're still dead in our trespasses and sins, if there was no victory over death, we have no hope. Think about what a fragile time this must have been for the disciples. You know, right before the resurrection, this really is a reflection of um, their, their lives and the weaknesses of their faith, their fears and their doubts that we see throughout the Gospels. But they culminated when we get to the Passion Week. We see them at really at their weakest points. Jesus even called them men of little faith three different times in Matthew 8 and, and Matthew chapter 16 and Luke 12. And these same men also fell asleep after the Lord asked them to stay awake and pray with him three different times in the Garden of Gethsemane. One of the disciples, as you know, eventually betrays him. And the other three, when the crucifixion is taking place, they're nowhere to be found. They abandon him. Even the apostle Peter struggles to acknowledge the Lord when a little servant girl comes up and challenges him and says, you were with him. 
before the resurrection, the outlook was very bleak. It got so bad that after the crucifixions, the disciples even remained huddled in a little room, right? Fearful to even go outside. But then something happens. Something happens. We just read about it in Matthew 28. On the morning of the third day, Mary, Jesus' mother, Mary Magdalene, they go to the tomb, right, to, to visit Jesus, maybe to try to tend to the body, maybe to see if he had risen. And what happens? They're encountered by an angel. And the angel shows them that Jesus isn't there. He has risen just like he said he was going to do. And then the angel instructs them to go and tell the disciples. And while they're on their way to do that, guess who encounters them? Guess who comes up to see them? The risen Savior comes up to talk to them. And what do the ladies do? It says that they fell down and they worshipped him. And here, in this gospel account, the disciples are invited to see Jesus after his resurrection. And what would they do? How would they respond? What would their response be to this meeting and seeing the risen Savior? Well, let's take a look. Verse 16, the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had designated. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. We can only imagine the eagerness that the disciples had when they were greeted by Mary and Mary to go to the mountain in Galilee to meet Jesus. Now I'm sure they got there and set the land speed record to see. They wanted to see the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't know that there are any words that would accurately express or illustrate for us what the hearts of the disciples must have felt in that moment. It had to be surreal Beyond all imagination. And perhaps you can recall a real life example of someone who was thought to be abducted or murdered or was a runaway only to find out that they're still alive. And you have the opportunity to witness the reunion that they have with their family. That is just a microcosm of what just happened here A person thought to be dead is radically different from the Savior who actually died and conquered death by returning to life while serving as the anchor to everyone's faith. Now I realize at the end of verse 17 that it says, but some were doubtful, or your translation might say doubted. It is an aorist verb, which is the past tense in the Greek. And it never provides a reason for us why they were doubtful or they doubted. And it could be possible that some doubting disciples joined the 11 when they are on their way to see Jesus. But the text doesn't confirm this. A logical explanation is that because there were 11 of them who came to see just one person, the Lord, that there could have been some of the disciples who were unable to see him initially and so they they were in doubt they were looking for him he swarmed right i'm sure it was a a great reunion and they're like is it really him is it really him 
And there was even some speculation that the person that they were going to see might even be posing as an imposter and wasn't even the real Lord. Somebody else plotting maybe even to do them harm. And this happens to us, right? When we find out just crazy news, crazy news, we, what are some of the responses that we have? You hear people say this all the time. No way. No way. They can't believe it. It's not unreasonable that the same might have been true for some of the disciples initially. All doubt would be removed once they heard Jesus speak and recognized the sound of his voice, a voice which they had followed daily for three years and that they were very familiar with, intimately familiar with. They recognized the sound of his voice and they would go from wandering to worshiping like those who were privileged to recognize him right away. My reason for sharing this is to help us see the contrast of the disciples pre-resurrection and post-resurrection. Okay? We got to see it. We got to see it. The Lord's resurrection lit a fire in them. They were never the same. They were never the same after the resurrection. And we see this in their actions. There was no more fear or this timid nature that some of them had. But there was boldness. There was conviction. There was passion as they started to point people to Christ. He is risen. He is risen. What he said was going to happen, he did it. And they believed, and that provided a motive. Brothers and sisters, we're never to be the same after the resurrection either. We're never to be the same after the realness of the resurrection that comes through the gospel message that we understand what was accomplished through Christ. We're, we're never to lose sight of it. And just as Christ's victory over death confirmed through his resurrection fueled them to accept the commission that they were about to receive, so also it should impact us. Their motive now was worshiping Christ at any cost. At any cost. And the testimonies of how they all lived out the remainder of their lives validates this. All martyred for the Lord's sake except one. The motive for the Great Commission is worship. If you are born again and you are alive in Christ, you were born again to worship and to share the message of the gospel so that others will worship. That is the MO. Worship. And John Piper couldn't be more correct when he says missions exist because worship is not. Our love and worship of the Savior is our motive for all that we do as believers. And just like the disciples who now had a renewed zeal to worship the Lord through the power of the resurrection, it can and it should renew our zeal to worship Him as well. 
Our victory in Christ was completed through the resurrection. And we'll actually see this under the third point as we consider the essential message of the gospel. But I wanted us to see how our motive, how our desire for worshiping Christ can and should encourage us to fulfill the Great Commission. It's in our passage. Our passage reveals four aspects of the Great Commission that encourage you to fulfill it. We've seen the first one, the motive for the Great Commission. And now let's turn our attention to the master of the Great Commission. Like his disciples, we can be certain that the Lord was also eager to see them. He loved them so much. And he knew the fears. He knew the doubts and the anxieties that they were wrestling with. He knew them so well. And Matthew doesn't record any of the casual exchanges that took place between them. And again, we can only imagine how precious, how sweet that reunion must have been. And verse 18 says, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Before the Lord states the Great Commission, he establishes his divine authority to command it. And they would immediately know it was the Lord. He opens up with that statement, and he shares that. They know, they know the one who has authority. They've witnessed it throughout the three years of walking with him through the gospel accounts, right? We see Jesus display his authority for us through those accounts, and they saw them firsthand. They saw them in real time. They saw the picture, right? The Lord Jesus Christ had authority over all illness and could heal anyone with the snap of his hand. The Lord Jesus Christ had authority over uh, nature, over demons, over animals. He miraculously provided food. We, there, there's just so many. We, we, we would run out of time to list all the, the miracles that really represent the authority that the Lord Jesus Christ had. Even a coin in a fish's mouth to pay taxes to Caesar. April 13th, by the way. Just, just throwing that one in there, okay? But none of these top his authority over human life and death as he raised Lazarus from the dead after being dead for four days, and then he's just raised himself and just defeated death from the grave. And his authority will also be seen in the future when he raises us up. And in John 6, 40, it says, Jesus had previously said, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. I myself will raise him up on the last day. We have access to scriptures that spell out the Lord's authority and let us know that Christ's authority was received directly from the Father. And this is why he starts out in verse 18 by saying, all authority has been given, given to me from the Father. The Father gave his Son absolute and universal 
authority. And in John 5, 22, Jesus says that not even the Father judges anyone, but all judgment has been given to the Son. Again, he shares in Matthew eleven twenty seven, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. When we fulfill the Great Commission, we do it based on the Master's authority, and it never changes. That authority in our life never changes. Listen to this story. While on maneuvers, a, a Navy battleship lookout noted a light in the dark on a foggy night. After noting the light's coordinates, the captain, captain recognized his ship was on a collision course with another vessel. The captain instructed to signal the other ship and, ship and send this message. We are on a collision course. Advise you to change course 20 degrees. The return signal countered. Advise for you to change course 20 degrees. The captain signaled. I'm a captain. Change course 20 degrees. The response was, I am a seaman second class. You had better change course 20 degrees. By this time, the captain was furious. His signal curtly ordered, I'm a battleship. Change course 20 degrees. The reply, I'm a lighthouse. You make the call. something. If we do not recognize his authority or we think lightly of his authority in our lives, then we may think it, that it's just um, it's optional for us to fulfill the Great Commission. Or that it's really not that big of a deal. If we, his authority in our lives gets out of whack and we don't see it for what it is. And we don't recognize that he has called us to do this very thing. We might somehow think that it's optional. Gina and Julia, I am so encouraged to be your pastor. We are so encouraged to have you as a part of our church. You get it. You get it. You're willing to go, and you're going. You're doing it. And you're doing it because you want him worshiped. You're doing it because you recognized his authority. And that your life is not your own. Whose is it? It's his. It's his. And as family members, if you're with them here today, please recognize that. This isn't anything being done in the spirit of rebellion. This isn't anything done to dismiss the love and the distance that they'll experience from you. They love the Lord Jesus Christ. They want to see him worshipped. They want to see disciples get made. And they're willing to go. 
I rejoice in that. I praise God for his work in your life and your faithfulness in response. And our church family does as well. It should also challenge us to reflect on our own desire to see Christ worshipped. Will the celebration of Resurrection Sunday, even this week, fuel our worship and our desire for the evangelism and discipleship that needs to take place within our church? What is the state of your own responsiveness to his authority? Your responsiveness to the Great Commission. Are we being faithful to his authority to do what he has commanded us to do? And each one of us, each person in this room, has to ask and answer that question for ourselves. Am I making disciples? God's plan directs us, and it helps us to know if we're progressing in evangelism and discipleship. And the last two aspects of the Great Commission will serve us very well. And we're not going to be able to cover both of these. We're going to shorten this down, and we're, we're going to save it for uh, next week. But I do want us to see one more perspective. We've seen the motive for the Great Commission It is Christ being worshipped. We've seen the master of the Great Commission. It evaluates our responsiveness to his authority. And the third aspect, the message of the Great Commission. And I quickly want to draw your attention to the outline that shows that there's no scripture reference right next to it. The message of the Great Commission is, of course, the gospel. And since making disciples requires evangelism, I could have put verse 19 there. And just about every theologian and Bible teacher agrees that it's implied, though it is not explicitly mentioned. And there's only one command in all five of these verses. Just one. It is found in verse 19, which is to make disciples. Even the word go is a participle connected to the verb that some have tried to say carries the imperatival force with it and is intended to mean go and share the gospel. But this is reading way too far into Matthew's text. As you are going is the more literal translation. However, we do get commanded to share the gospel in the Great Commission. But it actually comes in Mark and Luke's accounts. Allow me to read them just real quickly for you. Mark 16 Verses 15 and 16, and he, Jesus, said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. And then in Luke 24, verses 46 to 47, and he, Jesus, said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. The message of the Great Commission is the gospel. It is the message that Christ preached. 
It's the message that the apostles preached. It's the message that was preached to us. It's the message that everyone that gets sent out from this church and anyone who goes onto the mission field must also preach. Christ preached it. He started at Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Now, after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God, saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The apostles preached it. Peter in Acts 10, verses 43 and 44, of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. And while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. In Romans chapter 15, 19, Paul says, from Jerusalem and round about as far as Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And then, of course, it is the message that those of us in this room who believed that we received when it was either preached to us through the scriptures or preached to us by someone who was sharing the scriptures with us. Ephesians 1.13 says, In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. The message of the Great Commission is unmistakably clear. And it is why we have put so much emphasis in our evangelism training on mastering the gospel message. Two questions must be answered under this point if you're going to progress in evangelism and discipleship. Two questions have to be answered if you are going to fulfill the Great Commission. Am I equipped to share the message of the gospel? Am I regularly sharing the message with others? That's it. Let's consider the first question. A believer cannot fulfill the Great Commission. A believer cannot progress in evangelism and discipleship if he or she is not armed with the message? Am I equipped to share it? And in our evangelism training, we actually talked about the four aspects of the gospel. There's four truths in the gospel that you want to make sure when you share that message with somebody that they understand. Four of them. The first one is this, that God is holy. He is perfectly holy. The second is that mankind, man, is sinful. The third is that there is a desperate need for Jesus Christ. And the fourth is the sinner's response to God's terms. Okay? God is holy. So holy that it's impossible for anyone to stand directly in his presence in heaven with him and, and, and have sin. It can't happen. And sin, okay, the sin of man means that we've all missed the mark. No one is perfect. We'd all confess that. I, I, I don't see too many people standing over in the perfect line. 
And if they are, then they really need the gospel. Right? We've all sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. And the Lord Jesus Christ came to live the perfect life that nobody could ever live. That's me, you, every single person on this planet. No one could live that sinless life. Nobody except God himself in the Lord Jesus Christ, the God-man. And what did he do? What did he do? He, in exchange, he took the wrath for our sins and paid the penalty for our sins, right? On that cross, he was willing to do that, absorb the wrath of God, and then it's the sinner's response. What do we do with the reality that he did that? That we trust in Jesus Christ for salvation, in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, and we turn from living our life selfishly, and we turn to following Christ. That's it. That's it. And for the, the I, I call it turning and trusting. Repentance and faith. T and T, turning and trusting. It's powerful. It's so powerful that your life will never be the same. Those of us who stand witness to what God has done in our lives through the gospel. And everyone at Cornerstone said, amen, amen. And if you don't understand those aspects, I actually, there's a card. Everyone's welcome to take one of these. Uh, slides nicely right into your Bible. There's cards that are right there uh, waiting on the back table for you. You can take one of these today. It also provides the scripture references because I bypassed that for the sake of time. But you'll be able to, to take this with you. And there's actually even prayer booklets. If you weren't here uh, for the prayer message last week, God, please, would you go back and listen to the message online? And would you read that booklet? Read that booklet by J.C. Ryle. It's powerful. It's powerful. Likewise, the same is true for question number two. Am I regularly sharing the message with others? A believer cannot progress in evangelism if they are not sharing the message regularly. Gospel strength and effectiveness increases as we share the message with others. Question for you. Can a person go to the gym and work out once a week, once a month, and expect to see any significant changes in strength or growth? No. No. And nor can the same happen for us if we aren't sharing our faith and working out our faith by sharing the gospel and growing stronger in it. We need to be active. We need to be doing it regularly. And that is what God has commissioned and desires for us to do. So what do we do? What do we do? Pastor John, what do we do with that? Make an evangelism plan this week. Make an evangelism plan. You, every person in this room, make an evangelism plan this week. Now's the opportunity. Resurrection Sunday is coming. Make a plan. We even passed out a prayer guide that allows you to even write down the names of the, the, the people that you can start to begin praying for them. Pray for them. And if you're 
somebody here today that doesn't know the Lord, and maybe you're invited just because of Gina and Julia, which is, is tremendous, you know that there are people who are praying for you. This is what God has commissioned us as believers to do, to, to share our faith, to reach out to you so that you can see the message. God loves you that much. Ask God to provide open doors, church. Ask him to provide open doors for you to share the gospel with your family and friends that you're praying for. And be ready to share a complete gospel message with them. God wants you to do something. He doesn't want you to go another week without an evangelism plan. He does not want you to go one more week. And some of you have active evangelism plans. Some of you are praying. And some of you are going out. And it's been such an encouragement to me to watch that. But there are many in in our midst that the, 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 the flame of your evangelism is dwindling. And you can even think back to a time where you were on fire for the Lord. And you think, oh, I want to get back to that. And in the Christian life, we never want to go back to something else. We're always moving forward. And so I'm, I'm, I'm begging all of us. My own heart is challenged. And we have two sisters in Christ who are willing to pack up all their stuff and who are willing to move all the way across the country and to the other side of the world. And are we willing to go across the street? to our neighbors, to knock on the door. And maybe even own, you know what? We've been living here for a long time, and I just realized that I've never had the opportunity to share my faith with you. I want to share my faith with you. You know what? I know, notice that sometimes Sunday mornings, you guys, you know, aren't, aren't, aren't heading anywhere. Um, if you're looking for a church, or if you'd like to come visit our church, we, we would love to have you come. We would love to welcome you. Well, we've covered three out of the four aspects of the Great Commission that encourage us to fulfill it. And next Sunday is Resurrection Sunday, and I can think of no better way to celebrate Resurrection Sunday than to consider the words again of what Jesus spoke right after his resurrection and talk about what it means and what it looks like to make disciples. Well, at this time, I would like our elders, if you would, to come forward, Gina and Julia, if you would come before and, uh, and just stand on, on the, uh, right before the pulpit. And afterwards, and this is how we're going to close our service, so there will be no response on our closing prayer, as I mentioned uh, before. And ladies, you can come, come stand right here. And um, men, if you want to stand on the riser right, right behind them. And Huey is... Okay, so that's okay. You know what, let's do this too. If you're either of the, the care group couples, would you, would you guys come forward too for your care group leaders? If, if you're here and able to, I would, I would love it if you guys would come forward as well. And um, we, we want to pray for our sisters. We want to send them out, and we want to unite our hearts and praying for them. And so if you all come forward and just stand, and we're just going to put a hand on their shoulder and, 
and we are going to pray for them, and um, each of the elders is going to take a moment to pray, and um, if, if uh, I could ask you, Albert, would you just pray? Um, um, who's going first? Francis will go first. Hyun, you can pray second. You can pray third, and I'll close our time. Okay, let's pray, church. Let's pray. Thanks, Will. All right, brothers, sisters, let's pray. Dear Lord, I just want to thank you for this morning. We do want to thank you, Father, for this morning that you've assembled your people. You've assembled the body of Christ to, to worship you, Lord. And we have been reminded of this great commission uh, we've been reminded, uh, Lord, of, of who we are in Christ. We remember that we have been justified uh, by the blood of Christ, Lord, that apart from anything that we have done, you saved us, that you stood in our place, took our sin upon yourself, took the condemnation, you took the cup, you received the wrath on our behalf, Lord. This is all all apart from us, Lord, and we also know that as part of our sanctification, a part of our growth, our, our progressing in the faith, you desire for us to make Christ known, and it, it, that is our heart, Lord, because we, we love you, we adore you, we, we worship you, and our hearts are, are, are such that we want to make Christ worshipped, we want to make his name known throughout all the nations, Lord, and we, we're thankful, Lord, for the Czech Republic that you've uh, given us an opportunity over the years to, to minister there. We're thankful for the Smiths. We're thankful for the Denny's for their long history of ministering in, in, a, in a very cold and, and dark place, and we're, we're thankful that over the years we have seen fruit. We have seen many people drawn closer to you, drawn to you, and it's through uh, their labors and efforts, and, and we're thankful, Lord, for our sisters to join uh, the Denny's, for Gina and Julia, Lord, to, to pack up their things, to make plans, so that can, they can go for uh, an extended period of time uh, to, to labor for the gospel, Lord. We know that the harvest is plentiful, and the laborers are few, and so we're blessed that we can consider our sisters here as uh, just faithful ministers of, of the gospel. And Lord, we, we do want to pray for them, Lord. We're, we're mindful of, of this work, and we know from, I think it was Hudson Taylor who said that God's work done in God's way will, will never lack supply, mm. and we're so comforted by that because clearly, Lord, we know that this is your work, and we know that it is your will that is being revealed through their lives, Lord. And so we're comforted by the fact that you will supply, that you will provide for them in, in many ways and in, in, in many different aspects, Lord. And as they've shared with us, just uh, their, their prayer requests, um, their fears and, and, and their desire to have courage, Lord, we know that you would strengthen them, that you'll provide them that courage, provide them that strength. And we know that just even on a practical level, they, they have needs as well. And so we know, Lord, we, we trust in you. We, we place our faith in you that, you that you will provide, Father. And 
just even as they make these last-minute plans uh, before they go, we know, Lord, that all those details, you are uh, sovereign over all of them, and Lord, uh, would, you just get, would you give peace and comfort to Jeannie and Julia at this time, and also as they arrive and just hit the ground running with their certification training, um, we pray for them that you will allow them, Lord, to be equipped so that they can be ready, uh, Lord, for uh, the ministry there in the Czech Republic and teaching English, Lord. So just so many things to pray about, Lord, and so many requests, but we just lift them up to you, God, and give thanks to you. Dear God, as a church, we want to just plead with them in prayer, Lord, to stand in the gap, to be on our knees, and Lord, the reminder that, yes, without prayer, Lord, Nothing can be done. Lord, um, we pray for Gina and Julia that every day they will be reminded of the gospel. That they will be in your, through reading your word, through your spirit working in their hearts, Lord. That they will be focused solely on, on you. Lord, you have never promised an easy life. You've never promised um, uh, comfort, but you have promised that you will always be there. Pray for Gina and Julia that, that you will be real. You'll be there daily. You'll remind them that you are present, especially during those times where they may feel lonely or may feel discouraged, that your spirit will comfort them. Your word move them to continue to pursue you. Lord, we pray that all the people that they will meet, they will interact with, they will be able to see your joy and your hope, your grace, just in their lives, even as there may be uh, language barriers, or that their life will be different, their life will shine, so that your good news will be proclaimed not just through their words, but through their action, their love for the Czech people, that they'll be effective ministers of sharing your good news. I pray that you will protect them while, while they are there from spiritual attacks, from any, any um, doubt, or that they, faith may be strong, faith may be strengthened, that you'll go before them and as a church that we will pray and plead and be on our knees to, to um, intercede on their behalf Lord, for the Czech people, for the church there, for the Denny family, Lord, that we are not only um, thanking them, but we are going with them Lord, in prayer and that they will feel the power of our prayers there. We thank you for um, just um, the, this privilege of going with them and, and sending them. Heavenly Father, uh, just so thankful that uh, you ordained this. Um, how fitting that uh, 
We're sending out our dear sisters uh, to the Czech Republic to minister with the Denny's uh, before a resurrection Sunday next, next week. Uh, just uh, how fitting, Lord, that uh, we see the, the Great Commission being practiced um, to make disciples. Pray, Lord, just for our, our sisters. Um, just thankful for how you provide for them. As Gina shared, uh, things are taken away, but you provide so abundantly in so many ways that we don't consider. And um, where we trust that you will bless them, protect them, uh, just bless the ministry there with the Denny's. Just encouragement to our hearts, to our church, to the families and friends here that are here to be able to send them off uh, to minister in the Czech Republic. We'll be a difficult nation, a godless nation, um, but we know that you are working there, and even though they may not see uh, tangible, immediate um, results, we know that you are working in that land, and uh, we're just thankful for those that you've brought to the church in Czech Republic uh, right now to minister with the Denny. So we pray for uh, Gina and Julia as these last few days of preparation, just be with them and keep them safe as they fly over there. So we thank you, Jesus' name. And Father, in every way, we want to thank you for your coordinating effort in all things, how you've worked through from the very beginning and brought this uh, time to fruition. And we know that you will use them in great capacity. And it does come at sacrifice. And I want to pray specifically for their families and thank you, Father, for um, just their graciousness and their willingness to um, acknowledge the, the requests and the work of what you're doing in both of their lives and how they have seen the burden that you've put in their hearts to go. And Father, we just pray that you will, um, you're already allowing the world to shrink in great measure through the technology and the advancements that didn't exist for years for many missionaries that were able to touch base really with a push of a button and we thank you for that as well and I pray that you'll always allow uh, communication between both Gina and Julia and their families to be strong that they will be encouraged by what you're doing uh, through their efforts and that um, they'll also be able to just uh, stay connected um, with those they love so dearly. And Father, we celebrate how you are going to use them. We just can't express that enough. We know that your word doesn't return void. We know that there are people who will learn English, who will hear the gospel, and will respond. And we praise you for that. We ask now that as uh, we conclude our service, that you would allow us to enjoy this time to uh, be an encouraging time. And um, where there are emotions, we want to praise you and celebrate those because it's your love in us that makes this so joyful and so real. And so, Lord, we commit the remainder of the day to you, even the barbecue at the, the picnic afterwards. We uh, thank you for that. And again, we look forward to how you burden our hearts so that we can continue to pray for each other on both sides of the world. We give you all the praise for this. In Jesus' name, amen.